0: Okay, I know all you sports fans love a good stat. Well, what about this one? It is estimated that one in eight elderly Aussies suffer from heart valve disease and many don't even know it. Plenty of everyday experiences can change our heartbeats, but it's important to listen to your heart for any irregularities that could be signs of heart valve disease. Head to listentoyourheart.com.au, that is listentoyourheart.com.au to find out what signs you should be listening out for. Talk to your doctor and ask them to listen to your heart so you can be confident in your heart health. If symptoms persist, see your healthcare. care professional. Also, before we get going on Ryan's story, the information contained in the podcast is educational information only on certain conditions and potential therapies or treatment options. Alternative therapies or treatment options may be available, which you should discuss with your healthcare professional.
1: A listener production.
0: Okay, are you recording? Hey team, thanks as always for tuning in. Not your typical version of the Howie Games this one, but an episode I hope you will enjoy and more importantly take something from. It features a bloke I am lucky enough to call a mate. He's a good man. He is a good man, and his name is Ryan Campbell. Nicely timed. No chance for third man. Fifty to Campbell. That's two weeks in a row he's done it. Last week it was the fastest fifty. This one has been very exciting. Cambo, as he's generally known, was a dashing, and I mean dashing, wicketkeeper batsman for Western Australia. He played two one-days for Australia and did really well, and three T20 internationals for Hong Kong, that's the way Cambo rolls. If not for a bloke called Gilly, Cambo would have played a lot more for his country. But it's not Ryan's cricket story we're here for today.
1: So you search and try to find, but you don't know where
0: to go. So many thoughts flood through your mind you confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by The cricketing public have been hit really hard, really hard in recent times by the passing of much-loved Aussie greats Dean Jones to a stroke in September 2020 and then Rod Marsh and Shane Warne to heart attacks in March this year. All three gone far too soon. Cambo to not put too fine a point on it. He's bloody lucky he didn't suffer a similar fate, bloody lucky, after he had a cardiac arrest in mid-April this year. But for the intervention of a stranger, Ryan would no longer be with us. You're about to hear the story of what happened to Cambo, a fit and healthy 50-year-old. I stress that, fit and healthy 50-year-old. There are a few reasons I wanted to bring this story to you. One, the importance of good health. Now, I am not here to lecture you. Please don't take this the wrong way. That is the last thing I want to do. Truly do with this as you please. I knew very little about heart health before recent times, but the message coming through here is whoever you are, keep regular checkups with your doctor, The Heart Foundation, They have a fantastic website with all sorts of information about heart health. You can jump online and check out heartfoundation.org.au and they recommend if you're over 45, get your doc to give you a heart health check. Point two, the lady that saved Cambo's life was trained in CPR. First aid and CPR courses are easily accessible for us all. And point three, Cambo has reflected after his near miss on what's important in life, what's really important. When we are going about our day-to-day lives, sometimes this can be hard to keep a bit of a track of. Really, really important. Alrighty, enough from me. Here's Cambo. He's lucky to be able to share his story. So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know mystery. What is to be revealed in King Selassie? I, come on, children, try with me. We want to reach Mount Zion. Well, welcome to the Howie Games for a different episode. I always say at this part of the show, uh, I introduce the guests, and typically say it is great to see your smiling face, Ryan Campbell. I have never meant it as much as I'm saying it now. It is great to see your smiling face. How are you going?
1: Thanks, Howie. Um, yeah, what, what can I say? It's just um, it's great to be here. <clears throat> um, yeah, I just I can't explain it, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, having a second chance at, uh, at life, really, um, and I'm going to enjoy every moment of it. Uh, you know, it's just one of those things that I can't put my finger on what happened, but um, it did happen, and you know now I have to deal with uh, I guess the after effects.
0: It's funny. when I say it's great to see a smiling face, it has different connotations. When you say it's great to be here, typically that's the guest meaning on the podcast. you're it's great to be here, meaning you're woken up this morning and you're alive and you're surrounded by your family, which is a whole different way of being. It's great to be here, mate. Yeah,
1: hundred percent mate. Um, you know when when I look back, I, I have no recollection. Of the seven days that I was under. And, you know, from all reports, I, you know, I was probably dead a few times, um, but something kept bringing me back. And, um, you know, I, I guess those seven days is, uh, it will always be difficult to understand because I, like I say, I have zero recollection of it. Yet my wife had to go through every moment. She was the mm. one that was talking to the doctors and getting the bad news, the good news um, every bit of news and then having to deal with the outside world as well. So, um, if I sound a bit gushy about my wife, it's because, uh, mate, she was an unbelievable trooper and warrior and, uh, you know, she, she deserves a, a golden heart really.
0: Gush away, big daddy. Before we get to everything that happened and how you are now, we've got to establish a few things and there's a few things I want to bring up with you. Firstly, where are you? Uh, I'm back in the
1: Netherlands now. Um, you know, we uh, we had to catch a ferry home because I'm not allowed to fly for a couple of months. But uh, you know, we got the kids on a ferry, and it was actually a really good experience to do it. Um, but I'm back in Harlem, which is uh, the, uh, a little satellite city that we we live in, and you know, we love it here. And just to be back to a bit of normality, the kids are back at school and running around as if nothing happened, which is great.
0: Express uh, geen Nederlands what about you? How's your Dutch? Nay. I can, <laughs> I, I can
1: have words here and there, but um, look, my, my two kids are fluent. It, it actually right. freaks me out a bit when, um, you know, the kids have playdates and there's, you know, all their friends come over and it's nothing but Dutch. So, um, yeah, they, they go to Dutch school and right, it's quite bizarre, really. Um, uh, Jake's six and a half, well, nearly seven now. And, Mate, I take wow. him with me everywhere and he's my little translator. If anyone wants to speak <laughs> Dutch to me, speak to Jake and uh, he can tell me what, what you're on about.
0: My experience is Godverdomme, which you would know, which is, um, you know. Damn it, type of thing. It's I'm sure you use that a bit.
1: It's a it's a big bis- yeah, it kid song
0: over here. Yeah. My kids it listen is. to that I, every day. I've also got uh waffle which is like a type of biscuit from oh, memory. The Am I going all right there? Yeah, yeah. One of the great but you put it on the heater you put it on the heater cambo and the inside heats up. <laughs> yeah, it's got caramel in the middle. It's like a <laughs> yes. you know, a, a really thin waffle. With two sides and some wonderful
1: middle of it, yeah. They they do those hot up in town at the markets, which the kids love.
0: The other thing, I need to know if this is still going. I spent a bit of time there and everyone I was hanging out was obsessed with good times, bad times, which was like the neighbours, I think, when I was living in the Netherlands. Are they still rolling with that or not? Yeah,
1: they still like to roll that out a little bit. So it's, um, yeah, I think think they're very uh, traditional. So if something... Sticks, uh, they, right. they keep to it and everyone uses the same. The other thing that, uh, and I, I'll never get my head around this is the uh, the old uh, pickled herring that they love here. It's like, oh, oh dear, that is that, that is just all wrong in so many ways.
0: See, this was my next question because I found when you go out for a few Heinekens, your crew would come home in the middle of the night when it was freezing and they'd either have Papa's fritters, like fries with mayonnaise, or yep. like 4am in the morning, they're eating raw, bloody herring. Like, oh. how do you do that? If, you, if you're if you not going to spew from the beers, you're going to spew from the herring, well, well, I'll tell you what,
1: in a weird twist of fate, my wife and I came here on our honeymoon. We actually came oh. to the Netherlands because we knew some people here and we had a great time, but I was hungover one morning and my wife said, oh, you've got to try the pickled herring because her mum is Dutch. <laughs> And they said, you know, very much, oh, it's the best thing. Let me tell you, on a hangover, it was the worst and I still have horrible <laughs> memories. So I've, I've never, ever gone back there. Let me tell you that for free.
0: So people will be asking what is an Australian, West Australian keeper batsman doing in the Netherlands? The simple answer is you are the cricket coach for the Netherlands cricket team. G- give, me, give me a, a two-minute snapshot of that, what it involves, and I know how much you love it. Yeah, so
1: look, everyone will think the Netherlands is an an associate country, and we are, Um, but we won the World Cricket League three years ago, Mm. which also put us into the Super League, which meant we were going to be put into the top 13 best ODI teams in the world, and it would be the first time ever that an associate country would get to play the big boys on a a regular basis, and you know, we're very proud of how how we've gone and, and where we're at. You know, I also have seven of my players playing county cricket all through their Dutch roots, which, um, you know, I guess the people would know, the Ryan Tenderscarters, who's retired now, but, you know, those sort of guys, the Freddie Clussens, Tim Vandegoutens, they've forged a wonderful career in county cricket. But it also, that makes it tough for them to play for us as well, because the old counties (laughs) don't really like giving them away. Yeah. Mate, Dutch cricket is in a really solid place. Club cricket here, you know, it's been here since 1893, which has it? Yeah, people forget that. There's country, there's teams here that are older than WA, even. I Um, didn't know that.
0: Turf decks? What type of surfaces are you
1: playing on? There's eight turf decks now uh, throughout the whole of the country, which, you know, they're getting more and more all the time. Um, Generally, though, they play on a mat which is like our AstroTurf, but not on yep. the concrete underneath. It's more a, a gravel sort of underneath, so it doesn't bounce as much. But, you know, club cricket is going really, really well. But I guess for the national team, you know, we're about to play the West Indies, England, Pakistan, and then New Zealand for 2 T20s, all here in the Netherlands, which, mate, is unbelievable <laughs> for the
0: game here. I love your passion for it, mate. Once or twice a year on the Big Bash, I, I, I know it filters back to you, but someone plays a ramp and I bang, roll into commentary. So you need to, is this an urban myth or not? You know what I'm going to say. I roll yeah. out. He's played the ramp, first played by West Australian Wiki, who pioneered this Ryan Campbell. So I, 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 I don't know if it's adding mayonnaise to it, but that's certainly my first memory. And I know a lot of people link you to that shot that's revolutionised cricket. Did someone teach it to you, Cambo, because when you first started playing it and you'd watch the old McDonald's Cup or whatever it was in your day and you'd be playing this shot that is now de rigueur everywhere and it would blow people's minds. Like Bill Laurie would be going off in commentary. He's gone for that shot again, Ryan Campbell. It, it was extraordinary. How did it come to you, mate? Oh, he's done that beautifully, Ryan oh, Campbell.
1: He's moved a mile across his stumps. Pretty good bowling from Zoyce. who fired it wide of our stump. Ryan Campbell, through really a magnificent piece of adaption, was able to get it up over the keeper for four. Okay, so it, it was very simple. I, as the wicket keeper, I had to sit through every bowler's meeting, and every time we spoke about one-day cricket, everyone said, "Well, we got to bowl yorkers at the end. We're going to have mid-on and mid-off back." you're going to bowl as full as possible. We'll have fine leg up in the ring and just get hit down the ground. And so I just to sit there and go, okay, that, that's a great theory. But as a batter, if I know they're going to bowl full, why don't I get down to it and hit it on the full and it'll go over my shoulders, fine legs up, and I think I'll be onto something. Um, and then we played Victoria at the MCG and Chuck Berry knows this and we've had a laugh about it, but Chuck was up to the stumps for Ian Harvey and Chuck and I used to have a go at it pretty hard. No doubt. And I thought to myself, okay, Ian Harvey's bold, he's two slow balls, he's going to go for his Yorker because that's what everyone does. If I get it right, I can hit this right into Darren Berry's face, and <laughs> make, hopefully his mouth, and he'll never talk crap again to any first class <laughs> cricketer and I'll be doing everyone a favour. And so I got down and I did it and it went over my shoulder and it past Chuck Berry, went for four. And I thought, geez, that didn't work. And he's looking at me. I said, what do you mean didn't work? Went for four. I said, no, I'm trying to hit you in the face, mate. So (laughs) I'll try try that again. I'm telling you, I'm doing it again. So watch your face. And again, I did it. But then that kind of, in my head, gave me the theory that, mate, this is going to work. It it has to work. (laughs) And um, I think the next week I played against Sri Lanka and Australia A played Sri Lanka. And I got thrown up the order to try and pick up the pace, and I thought, okay, Zoysa's going to bowl around the wicket. He's going to bowl full. Now it's time to put your money where your mouth is, mate, and have a crack at it, and I guess I did that. Well, he's done it again. Just to prove it wasn't a fluke, he's done it again. And i tell you what, one bounce into the side screen, and that is straight over the keeper's head. That's brilliant. Nothing a lot wrong with the bowling either, full and straight. The double bluff. Campbell gives himself some room. Zoysa fires it in. Then he goes the other way, straight over the keeper's head, plus the somersault, the finish. I'll give it ten. Now, my question is, I haven't really ever gone back to see, but I don't know if Dilshan was sitting in the benches watching. Oh, I'm, I'm, right. I'm not became, sure if he the, was the in, scoop. you know, in their squad or not. I, I can't remember that. Right. But he obviously went and played it even better. And can't, look... I, I think the guy, the way the guys played it after that was breathtaking. I, I didn't see McCullum doing it to Brett Lee and going for six and all that sort of stuff. So the courage that they did, but mate, the theory was sound. And yes, th- that's the whole thing. It was all about the theory because if I did it, it meant someone had to put fine leg back, which meant mid on or mid off had to come back, which would give you another scoring opportunity. And that that's the cold hard truth. It was all about a theory. And I
0: think the theory worked. How was it received by your coaches, your teammates, and hard-nosed first-class cricketers when you started pulling it out?
1: Um, Wayne Clark, who was my coach for my whole career, he didn't mind it. He just said, make sure you use it at the right time. I actually got out once. I only got out once to it, and that was against New South Wales, and that was early on in my innings, which didn't go down so well with the selectors. They were a bit, (laughs) (laughs) come on, mate, what are you on about? Um, But... Basically, everyone sort of started to adopt it and said, yeah, that's, that sounds pretty good. The, the the one thing, the one, I guess, furphy around it was that I practiced yep. all the time with it. Mate, I never practiced. Why would I want to practice trying to hit myself in the head? Because exactly. if you get it wrong, and you get it wrong. So um, the only time I practiced it really was in a game because I knew <laughs> where the guy was going to bowl. But yeah, never in the nets would I be trying to do that unless... Um, yeah, unless there was uh, a bit of bit of money on the line or something.
0: Now, just so people are aware, you and I have, a, a, well, obviously a long-distance friendship now. Now it's the occasional text, typically when I'm commentating a Fremantle game and you're up and about because you're a massive Frio fan. But back in the day, Cambo, people may not remember, Channel 10 had a new 24-hour digital channel called 1HD and they got the IPL and it was on... If it was a a doubleheader, there'd be a game at 9 and there'd be a game at 1. This is at night, which the 1am game would finish at 5 in the morning. And it was Cambo and I for night after night coming up at the start of the game at the 10-over mark, the innings break, and then through the second game as well. And my main memories, Cambo, of the second game was between over one and 10, we'd normally have a kip beneath the desk and then wake up at the nine over mark and come up and start chatting about it. how good was that first 10 overs by the Deccan Chargers.
1: Hey, mate. Um, look, they're, they're great times. Like, I love <laughs> doing that with you. And Yeah. Um, but the thing was we weren't sure what how big the ipl was going to be no idea no idea i actually got asked to put my name in the in the i guess throw my hat into the ring i thought no no it's not going to be that big and uh, i'd rather do the media for it how, how little did i know when i saw the first paycheck come out how stupid i was but mate I'll, I'll be honest and after the thing that you probably forget is that once we finished at 5 i'd go back to the hotel get to sleep for two hours but then have to do my radio show back in Perth <laughs> yeah. for, for Nova. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a weird time but, mate, I, I, I loved my media career. I, I literally loved, you know, working with guys like you and, and Huddo. HUDO, yeah. So I, I was really, really lucky and, like I say, mate, I enjoyed my media career and it only ended really when I really wanted to go coaching and, and left to Hong Kong. But, uh, yeah, I look back at those times and, you know, have a laugh. <laughs> You know, like I say, it was it was fantastic time to spend. You know, get to know guys like you and, and people who had been in the media industry for so long. You know, I learned so much watching you boys go about it. And, uh, it probably was. It was hello. Neil Neil mates, Cordy mate. had
0: a run as well, didn't he? Old Cordy, he, he did yeah. it for a while as well. Uh, chatting, so, mate- uh, Wingard. Corey Wingard, who's now a politician. Corey Wingard. You and me are about the only two that have been kicked on, to be fair, Cambo, but the rest (laughs) of them (laughs) have done pretty well. You're you're
1: the biggest man in media
0: (laughs) now. No, my other memory of those IPL stints, uh, you told me when you were trying to maximise your potential to kip because we were like vampires, you went and bought (laughs) rolls of alfoil and put it up behind your curtains so no sun would come in during the day and wake you up, Cambo. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) had to come up with some uh,
1: (laughs) out-of-the-box solutions to uh, getting some sleep during the day.
0: But, you know, they're they're the things you do, mate. Now, listen, the reason why I wanted to do this was obviously um, a a man that was – Loved by the Australian public, Shane Warne, friends of ours, died of a heart attack at a young age. And all of a sudden I wake up and I've got messages to a link to a news article and bloody Ryan Campbell, fit and healthy. How old are you, Cambo? 50. 50. is in a coma with a heart situation. What happened, mate? T- tell me, I, I want to... Uh, if it's okay, I would like to know what happened, and then we'll eventually get to how you reflect on it and how it has or hasn't changed your life now, which you sort of mentioned at the start. But mate, what happened? And again, it is so good to see you fit and healthy and happy and smiling, mate.
1: Yeah. Um, look, and again, this is going to come from information that my wife has told me because I, right, in all honesty, I can't remember even the day before. So can you not? What What, what I remember is going to Skipole airport I remember cracking the shits because I couldn't park my car in the the ground basement I had to go up up to get a car park I remember that I remember my kids going through security because Jake hates the uh, metal detector things and he went through really well I was very proud of him <laughs> I don't remember from it from then on I don't remember arriving in England I don't remember you know we hired a house for a few days I, I don't remember what that looks like I have Jeez. photos on my phone from the day that we were at the playground. It was a place called Bewilderwood, um, which is a really famous uh, playground where the kids were having a great time. I've got photos on my phone that I still look at and have no recollection. But what what happened was I went to take Emily to a big slide that she loved going on and it was sort of up the top and for some reason I felt, really tired, but that was obviously I didn't realise that was the cardiac arrest starting and I pretty much laid on the ground. Um, to my, I guess, good luck, I put my head on the foot of a young girl who was three and a half years age and she still doesn't like me for doing it, but <laughs> her mother just happened to have done her CPR course, saw that I was in trouble, And had the courage to take control and literally roll me into a, you know, recovery position. She says that she felt the life go out of me, which is a horrible thing for her to go through. But then she did CPR and brought me back. And basically, you know, at the same time, my wife was with my son and and mother-in-law. And they were on sort of a a little bit different side of the park. But for some reason, my wife was looking for me either to grab the bag or something And then she saw me lying down, so she ran up there and obviously was trying to find out what happened. So she was there probably within 30 seconds, 40 seconds of the first issues. Um, But Becky Bassett basically was the one that, um, you know, if she hadn't have taken control, if she hadn't have done the CPR course only a few weeks earlier, if she was like a lot of people and didn't really want to be involved, I don't think I would have been here. So... You know, she kept me alive for, the, I guess, the 15 minutes until the paramedics came and then the paramedics took over and, you know, obviously put the the, the defib on me just in case they needed to shock me back into, into life. But, you know, from there they, they got me down from the slide and they also, you know, drove me into the, I guess, an area where the, the helicopter was called in to, to take me to Royal Stoke, which is renowned as a great cardiologist um hospital. And yeah, from there, that's where
0: I went. And um, you know, so like so I say, on that on that mate, we know the term cardiac arrest. Yeah. For my ignorance, I don't know what it means. And to be fair, probably mate, three months ago, I imagine you wouldn't have known what a cardiac arrest is. I'm sure it's been explained to you now. So, what is the definition of a cardiac arrest? Yeah.
1: Okay. So so a cardiac arrest. I'm like you, Howie. I just thought a cardiac arrest and a heart attack were the same thing, but Mm. it's very not. A heart attack can cause a a cardiac arrest. Basically a cardiac arrest means, one, you'll be asleep, you'll be out of it, but it's just basically your wiring goes off, whereas a heart attack is more to do with either, you know, closed arteries or, or something not working, not pumping right, and obviously a heart attack can cause a lot of damage to your heart. Um, you know, a cardiac arrest can be caused by a number of things. A heart attack is one of them. So it, it it's quite different. Um, but like you like you just said, I didn't know the difference and, and I had no idea. So when people were reporting Ryan's had a heart, massive heart attack and he's in a coma, look, I, I probably can understand where they're coming from but, you know, my wife was trying to make sure that everyone knew that it was a cardiac arrest which, you know, like I say, is... The chances of survival are, you know, not great, but it's a lot different to a heart attack.
0: Do they know what caused your cardiac arrest in, in with the post testing, Camber, or not? Well, well, that's the interesting thing that
1: you know they they've looked into it, and you know, obviously they've ruled out a heart attack. They can't put it quite down to genetics. They don't think it because my family are, are pretty healthy. Um, they, they are looking into the fact that I had a really bad chest infection when I was in South Africa in November, and then I had COVID in Feb. I think the more they dig into the COVID one, we're finding out more and more information that it does affect other parts mm. of your body, not just getting it. Um, but the I guess the, the funny thing is that my cardiologist, because I recovered so, you know, quite fast, and I in mean, he's saying my heart is in 100% condition, goes, mate, that's great news for you because you're healthy and ready to go. It's shit news for me because I can't tell you what happened. A- and that's the cold oh, yeah. hard truth. But, you know, like like we, s- we say, it was, I'm a pretty fit 50 year old. Um, having tests or seeing my GP probably wouldn't have helped me, but I think it can help a lot of other people to make sure that they get a, a checkup and, and, and see with things. And I've had messages from a lot of mates who have Gone to the GP and they found something, um, which I I hope they all do. But like I say, that wouldn't have helped me because they wouldn't have found anything. Um, but yeah, it made it's. I, I, I honestly I sit here talking to you now, how and it still gives me sh- I guess shivers up my spine to think I'm a 50 year old. I thought I was fit, healthy, yet for, in that instant I sort of
0: I was gone. Um, and that's, I guess, how fragile life can be at times. So the obvious message to anyone listening that is in that age group, um, our age group, is to have regular checkups with your doctors. We're not medical professionals, but you don't need to be Einstein to put the two links together there, Cambo. Um, How old are your kids, Cambo? Mate, one's about to turn seven and one's only four. So this will be from your wife's perspective. I'm sure you've talked about it. Um, I hope you don't mind me asking, like your kids are there, they're seeing ambulances, they're seeing helicopters. Have you talked to your wife about how she dealt with the kids and what's happening with Daddy? Okay, so Jake was at another side of the park and didn't see anything.
1: Um, We've since explained what happened Um, and he, he's quite a, um, he's a clever young man and, um, you know, he understands. He just says Daddy's heart stopped and, you know, he had to go to, to go to hospital and, and he's fine. Now, Emily was there. Obviously, I had her and she was standing right there. And um, over the course of a week or so, she sort of said a few more things about what she saw. And, and it's, yeah, it appears she saw everything, um, you know, from me falling down to um, the CPR, the ambulance coming, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, we're obviously talking to her all the time and we will make sure that we see a specialist just to yep. cover all bases. But, again, they're all understanding because I think they see Daddy at the end. Like there's no yeah. bad story, I guess. And, you know, we, we just talk about, yeah, I, we had we had a bad day and, you know, Daddy had to go to the hospital. Everything's good now. You know, there's nothing to worry about, all that sort of stuff. So I, I guess... Again, that message is you've got to talk to your kids about it. You've got to make sure that they're talking and, you know, keep a close eye on them. I, I obviously keep a close eye on my wife because, like I say, she's been through the trauma of everything. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, I can see that she's relieved and tired and, you know, even a little bit angry at certain things that happen. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's the, the people that are closest to you, you have to keep a very close eye on.
0: If there's one thing, one thing, you could say about everyone I've been lucky enough to speak to on the Howie Games, it's that they've got plenty of ticker. But let's take a sec to talk about you and yours. Heart valve disease is a common disease in older Australians and ignoring the signs could lead to serious heart problems or even heart failure. Signs like dizziness, chest pain shortness of breath or a rapid heartbeat maybe you can't climb stairs as easily or you may not be able to walk as far as you used to if you're over 65 and experience any of these problems don't assume it's your age it could be your heart talk to your doctor and ask them to listen to your heart so you can be confident in your heart health find out more at listentoyourheart.com.au if symptoms persist please see your healthcare professional so the seven days when you're in a coma, I'll, I'll ask you in a moment what, what they're doing to you at that stage and and where your life is. But have uh, you spoke to your wife about the stress and anxiety she must have been feeling, seeing her husband, the father of her kids, there? I, I imagine with tubes and you know coming out of you with with doctors rushing left, right, and centre. My God, Cambo.
1: Yeah, she she um. So she got to the hospital probably half an hour after me and they put her in a room um, and just sort of said, wait here. Um, and then that went on for hours and hours and hours until she came looking um, and asked wanted to ask questions. And she, um, you know, it, at the time, you know, with COVID and stuff, you're not supposed to be in the hospital. I think she stayed for the first 54 hours and didn't leave my oh. side. Um, and in that time, obviously there were a lot of tough things going on and she had to hear that from doctors and you know the thought of maybe a transplant maybe not waking up maybe not doing this whatever she had to go through all that not long after a great friend of mine called Simon Millington who was one of my who's one of my greatest mates in the world and you know we met in Hong Kong he flew out from Nevada Um, He lives in Vegas now, but he flew straight over just to help LT. So he arrived and he's one of these big, strong, strapping sort of guys who's extremely clever. He only owns businesses and all that sort of stuff. And he just took a bit of pressure off LT and her family and, you know, basically ran things from there. And, um, you know, his support to LT, I'll I'll never, ever forget, Um, literally just to drop everything to make sure he was there Mm. Um, you know, helped out, and between the two of them, they started, you know, being able to give the correct information to my family back home because I think, you know, what happens is everyone's got an idea and there's information flying everywhere. You know, my great mate Robbie Baker, who was, I guess, the point of call that LT relied on to try and give information to so he could then, you know, spread what needed to be spread. But, again, it's one of those things you don't want to tell anyone too much because I have a 91-year-old father and an 80-year-old mother who, you know, sitting in Perth not thinking their 50-year-old son, who's the healthiest of all, like is fighting this. So, you know, you have to be very careful about what sort of information is getting out there and, you know, I guess LT and um, Simon tried to do their best to to make sure the right stuff was getting out there, not just, you know, secondhand information. Mm-hmm. And I think that was part of the, the toughest thing they had to do is, you know, be cold... To the point where it just has to be facts and try and take the emotion out, but give people an idea of what's going
0: on. And have you been told since, or were they telling LT at the time? You know, in the movies, Canberra's right; he's got twenty-eight percent chance of living. Or you know, you know, you know what's like in the movies. Is it like that in real life? Are they putting numbers and hope into the equation? Look, they, I think they try and stay away from numbers, although you know, LT
1: was told one in ten is, but of pulling through. Oh yeah, but basically, you know, she she tried. They, they were very good. They, they you know they don't want to talk about numbers. They don't want to talk about you know what goes on normally, and she didn't want to hear it. I'm sure, um, and I guess that those are also the times that you don't want to be on your phone going through Google and stuff like that because obviously no. you can hear some horrific things. But, you know, the facts are that the the doctors and nurses were always positive. They always wanted to, you know, try something new and, and you know, keep working and working. Um, and that's, in the end of the day, that's why, you know, I'm still here and that's why Stoke, you know, Hospital is renowned for being the best. It's, um, you know, they they were just brilliant. And, you know, some of the nurses who just stayed with LT or stayed with me, you know, beyond their call of duty were just, you know, people that you just have to treasure. And, you know, you talk about people who get paid so much in the world, yet these people who work for the NHS, um, you know, probably aren't on the the biggest wages, but, you know, they just are just so careful of you and so thoughtful and, um, you know, just, you know, they deal with Heartache every day, but you can see that everyone's an individual and, and everyone has a story,
0: and they make sure that they do the best to keep your story going. Well, thankfully, your story is still going; it's got many chapters, mate. What's the first? What's the first conscious moment you have when you wake up? And how long? Like, it was seven days, was it?
1: Yeah. So when I wake up, my first thing is, why are we in Hong Kong without the kids? I, I asked LT about that because that's where we used to live. Um, which, you know, she sort of explains, no, 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 we're, we're in England. I think at one point my friend Simon Millington asked if I needed a beer, which I said straight away, yeah, I need a little creatures. Um, so he <laughs> knew I was okay because that's my favourite Perth beer.
0: Um,
1: I think I may have mentioned about how, how the Frio doctors were going. Um, but then the funny thing was uh, they call it delirium, which is basically your mind starts to think of what it thinks has happened because you have no real memory. Um, I was saying to my wife that for some reason I had been kidnapped and taken to Bali, Bali of all places. I don't know why Bali, but I was I had been kidnapped. Um, they had taken my phone, my wallet. I wanted her to make sure she cancelled all my cards. And obviously I had so many puncture marks through me with blood tests and all that sort of stuff. I even said to her, look, they've been pumping me full of heroin. You need to get me an AIDS wow. test and all this sort of stuff. And to me, that was that was what happened. Um, and, you know, she sat down and said, okay, take a breath. I've got your phone. I've got your wallet. You're in England. You're safe. You you know, you've never been to Bali, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, she had to basically explain to me what what had happened. And then it was like, all right. Okay, I'm glad the other scenario didn't happen, but again, in my mind, and I don't know what I had picked up on, but yeah, I, I was adamant I was in Bali.
0: And mate, when, you, when, you, when you're not in Bali and you're still in a hospital flat on your back in Stoke, when do you see your kids and what, what effect does that have on you?
1: Okay, so I, I didn't see my kids at all in, in the flesh basically while I was in hospital um, because that was hospital policy. They didn't want kids in the ICU and stuff. But eventually, probably a, about a week later, um, you know, my wife brought my phone in and said, okay, we can, we'll set up a call. And obviously to, to call them and, and say hello and, you know, just to see, make them know that I'm okay and everything's going to be fine. Um, Obviously, yeah, brought a tear to my eye and was a bit emotional. Mm. But um, like I say, I, I, I think... Everyone understands that when you go through this, you you look to your family and you, and you, I guess your friends as well, but mostly your close family to go, okay, you know, what's really important in life, it's the people that mean the most. And, you know, my wife, my two kids are everything to me and, you know, I'll make sure that uh, from here on end <laughs> they are always
0: number one. Before we started this, you, you peeled back... Um, your shirt and showed me that magnificent uh, pectoral muscle on one side. You've always been a well-built man, Ryan. And then on the other side, you, you got a scar and what, to me over Zoom, looked like a a small computer hard drive. The outline of it under your skin. What's in there, mate? What do you got in there? So, so I I now have a fib in in my chest, which
1: is exactly what. I think it's Ericsson who plays football and has come back to playing football. Um, yes. he's got one as well and basically oh
0: the, the chap that collapsed in the world cup. Collapsed
1: so yeah he he had to say you know the same sort of thing go on and he's back playing Premier League football that that's how well he's going. So you know this is just something in my chair. it's look my cardiologist like I said said you're going so well you don't actually need this but just as an insurance policy, so it's basically a little box in my in my chest that is connected to my heart. If anything were to go wrong, or I had the same sort of thing, it would just basically give me a shot, um, basically a shock that would wake me up um, and get your heart going again. And again, he's adamant I'll never use it, um, and everything will be fine. But. It's the greatest insurance policy ever. So, yeah, it, it'll be part of me
0: for, for a long time to come. A couple more questions for you, mate. Um, we've talked about the physical side. Have you – if, if that happened to me and they'd put a defib in there and it happened to me and I was fit and healthy and no one could really explain to me why it had happened, do you have any mental scarring or have you had to work through that it's happened – I've got to put it behind me and I can't focus that it could happen again? I don't know if that question makes much sense.
1: Look, at the end of the day, you're always, I guess, going to think, how are you going? You know, am I having three beers here? Is that going to affect me? Am I riding my bike? Am I going too hard? Should I slow down? Or You know, I I guess that's always going to be the question. But, Mm. mate, the facts are that you've got to listen to... To specialists, and like I say, my cardiologist is a guy called Adrian Morley Davis, who is renowned as one of the best in England, and he's a he's a lovely Welsh chap who you um, know is quite jovial as well. And you know, he he's given me that much sort of confidence and faith that everything's going to be okay. Um, that I do, I just have to look forward, and you know, I'm planning on when I'm trying to come back as a coach for the Netherlands and, you know, obviously I'll see the specialists here and, and make sure I'm going okay. But, um, you know, for the first four weeks, I'm just going to take it easy. But, yeah, I, I, I think I'm just going to have to put it out of my mind to, and just say, okay, but this is life now and, and, you know, I have to live it. Um Again, I'll, I'll obviously mm. be very careful. I won't be sitting in a bar drinking vodka Red Bulls, that's for sure. Um, You know, those days are gone. Um,
0: This is a real change of game plan for you, Cambo. Mate, I love the Red Bull every now and again, let me tell you, before (laughs) a game of cricket,
1: watching keep me awake, especially after the kids have kept me awake all night. But, um, yeah, there'll be none of that going on. And, you know, I guess, you know, I lost six kilos while I was in uh, hospital, which, (laughs) as my wife says, there's there's easier ways to lose weight, but I probably (laughs) needed to lose that six kilos anyway. But, um, you know, so I'm just going to live it you know, a healthier lifestyle. Um, You know, at the moment, because I'm recovering, I'm I'm probably giving myself all the the comfort foods and and things at the moment. But once, you know, once we click into gear, you know, my wife and I live quite healthily. We'll we'll exercise together. We'll, um,
0: you know, stay fit and healthy. And,
1: yeah, hopefully everything is good.
0: The final part of this discussion is, I guess, the whole reason for doing it for the, the two messages is to go and see your doctor and keep regular checkups. That That's one reason why I wanted to do this with you. The second one is, you know, when Shane passed away, when Roy passes away, everyone rolls out those cliches, oh, it makes you realize how precious life is and you've got to take advantage of it. And that stays with you for a day or a week or a month or six months you have been in a position where, you know, you were talking one in ten, where not that you realised, but it was nearly all taken away from you. So the obvious cliched question, but the most important question, Cambo, is will you approach anything differently? And do you think it will last for a week or a month or a lifetime?
1: Yeah. Mate, you, you can throw obviously Rod Marsh into that as well. Who? Yes. He, he, he was... He was so much to me, Rod Marsh. He he taught me everything. He was the one that made me an opening batsman when, you know, everyone was trying to hold down my aggression. It was Rod that wanted my aggression and, and, you know, (laughs) made me what I was. I wouldn't have played for WA, you know, let alone anyone else if if it wasn't for Rod. So, you know, losing (laughs) him and then Shane and obviously Roy now, it it does give you a wake-up call. Um, And again, I, I think... And again, I'm trying not to sound um, too morbid or anything like that here, but I think a lot of the reaction to my situation or my ordeal was because Australian uh, Australian cricket had gone through such bad times and and they were hoping for a good good luck story, if you know what I mean. Yes, I do. Mate, part of it will be that I won't deal with people anymore that, you know, we all have them that don't have the same moral thinking or, or the um, the beliefs or how they're going to act around people and I'm not going to stand for those sort of people in my life anymore and I'm going to push them aside and say, you know what, I don't have room for you. Um, that's something that's really important I think that you know we all have people and we do things in life that we just put up with and I guess dealing with this I'm just not going to put up with it. I'm going to live my life and be surrounded by people that I love and care and, and want to love and care about it. my family as well. And, again, your family is extended but my family is number one is my wife and two kids and I'm going to surround them with great people. And, um, yeah, that, that's one of the things that I definitely will, will look at. You know, obviously the other one is um, what do I do next? Um, mm. you know, we love living in the Netherlands, we love coaching the Netherlands, but, you know, again, I'm not sure once my contract runs out that they might be a bit nervous as well, but, you know, it might be an opportunity to maybe go back into the media, which I, I love doing. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of options that I guess my wife and I will start sitting down and, and discussing, um, what, what we want to do, where we want to go. Mate, the facts, hey, everyone says to me, oh, you want to come home and, I get it. I love Australia. Don't get me wrong. I haven't lived at home for 10 years and and I miss it. But I also love Europe. Living in Europe is just this fantastic way of seeing the world. And, you know, my kids, like I said, my kids speak Dutch. They speak English. They, you know, they get the chance to jump in a plane for an hour and they're in four different countries. It is a great place to be. So, you know, I'm I'm just going to, take it as we see it you know if opportunities present themselves we will have a close look at it um but yeah i'm going to enjoy every part of it mate and um like i say i, I think if you can have a good luck story i think you've got to embrace it otherwise it's it's a waste and, and i hope that
0: i'm never going to waste this chance and um yeah i'm going to i'm going to have a good time well mate if you end up back in the media hopefully i get to sit in a commentary box with you again um it's just good to see you, mate. That's all I can say. It's good to see you. It's good to hear your voice. Thanks for sharing your story. Hopefully, anyone listening, um, you know, Cambo's a fit and healthy man. Uh, it's always good to just keep in touch with your doctor so you can be around for your family, mate. And that's, uh, that's the message I think we're trying to get across. It's just good to see you. Good to see you fit and firing again, brother.
1: Thanks, Howie. And can I just add one thing? Not only should you yes, be sir. checking up your doctor, but if you do get a chance to do a first aid course or a CPR course, mm. please do it because, you know, there there is just too few of us who have done it and you, you just never know at, at any time. I think there's a, um, you know, there's a big day in October 16th uh, that raises awareness. I think we all should be looking into, you know, having that course either for your kids or for a friend or whatever, just knowing what to do. In a a moment of pressure, so to speak, yeah, please go out, get it done and learn it and have that um, skill
0: under your belt. Good on you, mate. Stay safe, go the duchies in the cricket and go you in life, mate. Cheers, Howie. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Thanks so much as always for tuning into this episode of the Howie Games. And remember, heart valve disease is more common than you think and too many people ignore the signs. Signs like dizziness, chest pain, shortness of breath or a rapid heartbeat, which can lead to serious heart problems or even failure. Talk to your doctor and ask them to listen to your heart so you can be confident in your heart health. Find out more at listentoyourheart.com.au. That is listentoyourheart.com.au. If symptoms persist, see your healthcare professional.